0: Hello, I'm Taj, or digitally known as Tropic Vibes, the host of Nifty Business, where we highlight NFTs and explore Web 3.0 as we move from pure speculation to creating real world value. So yesterday, the WAX blockchain's official Twitter account made one tweet that caused the WAXP token to pump over 30%. This simple announcement is really minor news and it took place a few days ago. However, crypto Twitter ran with it, started retweeting it, and it caused the coin to pump. The tweet reads, breaking. Amazon enters the WaxP ecosystem. We're thrilled to announce that Amazon entered the collectible space by investing in Dibs.io. Dibs.io is a real time fractional card market using Wax viral NFT technology. Now, anyone that is familiar with the Wax blockchain and the ecosystem that's going on over there, this really isn't that big of a news outside of the fact that Amazon is in that sentence. If none of that makes any sense to you, I'm just going to break down the different parts and the parties that you need to know about. Well, first of all, everyone knows about Amazon, the largest e-commerce system. They host uh, the majority of all the websites in Web 2.0, Netflix, uh, the majority of apps that are running. The data is uh, stored on Amazon servers. Amazon really needs no introduction. And the WAX blockchain, of course, is a EOS-based blockchain. is It's by far the king of NFTs. If you look at the volumes, the amount of accounts, the amount of trades, there is just so much going on in the, black e- uh, the WAX ecosystem. I've mentioned them many times, and that is what really drew me into this space, what sold me on crypto, sold me on NFTs. And so I have said so much information about them, and they really need no introduction either. But Dibs is probably new to most people. And I would made I know what virals are, which I'm going to get into, and I know about WAX and what they're trying to do. However, full disclosure, I did not know about Dibs until this news broke, and I dove into it, and I'm very interested. So as it says, Dibs is a fractional card marketplace, and it runs on WAX. Wax is just very easy to make trades. It is very efficient. It is eco friendly and it just very low energy uh, requirements compared to ETH or any other blockchain for that matter. It is just a a great place to do a lot of transactions very quickly at a low cost. So fractional ownership as, as far as uh, collectibles and being able to do that when you're talking about small dollar value uh, transactions, Wax is a good place to do that, and I, that is, I believe, why uh, Dibs use Wax as a technology to build. There's countless blockchains they could have chose, but since Wax was built from the ground up for NFTs, that is why they partnered with them, the speed, the transactions, everything, the onboarding, just the ease of use. So I'm going to jump into their business model, but before I even do that, what I need to do is explain what viral nfts are at this point pretty much everyone knows what a basic nft is a non fungible token at least anyone that's listening to this podcast and now viral nfts now this might be the first time you've ever heard of that and WAX actually released this, made the announcement, and posted a video on their YouTube over the summer. And when I saw this, I said, wow, this is pretty cool and futuristic. It really cemented my belief in the WAX blockchain and the ecosystem and everything that they're trying to do there. And it went so much more than just uh, PFPs and avatars and, and, and just generative projects and everything and just art and collectibles. I said, wow, this is something that is going to be widely adopted and has business implications, and this is something that should be really researched and investigated. But if you're completely new to this concept, I'm going to actually play the sound from that video explaining what a viral NFT is, and in the show notes, I'm going to leave a link so you can actually watch a full video on YouTube. Rather than me trying to sit here and explain it and use my analogies, I think this just does the best job of explaining. After all, it is their technology, so I'm just going to play the audio for it. What is a viral NFT? Well,
1: it's an NFT that is virtual in real life. Trust me, you're going to like this. Viral NFTs let you own physical stuff without dealing with delivery. Interesting. This means no more boxing, no more shipping, no more deliveries. If you'd rather not have the physical item, the option is open. Here's how it works. Your thing is a unique one-of-a-kind NFT on the WAX blockchain. Voila! You can trade your viral NFT with anyone in the world. Your physical thing doesn't move until you or the current owner gives the viral NFT a special command to redeem it. That's a ton of saved deliveries. Score one for the environment. When the physical thing is redeemed, the viral NFT changes. In some cases, it's composted, which means it can't be traded anymore. In other cases, it can still be traded, but has a special tag that shows it's been redeemed. Imagine, it's Christmas and you're 10 years old. Your grandma gets you an ugly sweater. Ugh, not again. Your uncle gets you the same sweater, but as a viral NFT. With viral NFTs, you'll be happy with any gift, even if it's not great. Amazing! Viral NFTs unlock a new industry called V-commerce you can buy and flip in seconds with anyone in the world. All without the cost and risk of trading physical items. See ya, creepy randos. And some things get redeemed right away by those who value it most in its physical form. Beautiful. Now is the time to get in on viral NFTs. It's the revolutionary way to trade physical things. Get ownership without possession. Be physical and virtual. Profit from instantly-tradable and super-liquid WAX marketplaces. Pool from global participants. Plus, you'll get complete and transparent ownership history, all while saving tons of CO2. And finally, WAX is certified carbon-neutral by Climate Care. Talk about a cherry on top! To get started using viral NFTs, check the links
0: below the video. My goodness, is this going to be big? So the viral NFTs are literally like the contracts or the rights that you're using to swap around this stuff. The things, whatever it is, these tokens, these physical objects do not have to change from hand to hand, from owner to owner, from the buyer to the seller. And the rights can go from one buyer to a seller. It can change hands multiple times before the actual physical good is ever loaded onto a truck or shipped or anything like that. So it is very efficient. In the financial markets, this is a lot like a an contract in the sense that, uh, generally speaking, with physical things, it's easy to know that you have the rights to, let's say, next year's crops or whatever it is. But when it comes to financial instruments, an options contract gives someone the right to purchase a particular stock at a set price before a set time. And these viral NFT bridges, these commodities contracts, and these finance contracts, in the sense that Now there is a physical good. These NFTs are changing hands while the physical good actually sits in a warehouse, wherever that may be, whether it is uh, an Amazon warehouse or a an art studio or whatever it is, some kind of vault, a bank or who knows what they'll actually come up with uh, in the future. It could be literally anywhere. And these these uh, NFTs, the viral NFTs, can change the rights from company to company, can go all around the world, and the item actually sits in one central location until it is ready to be uh, physically displayed or used or for whatever that matter is. And at that time, it is actually going to be taken out of storage, and then the transport cost, the, the fuel, and the the labor that's going to be involved with actually moving the physical object, only when it is absolutely necessary will that physical move actually take place. So how does all of this tie into dibs and what Amazon is doing? Well, first and foremost, I must say that when I first read this and heard about this, I was thinking, wow, Amazon is diving headfirst into it, uh, whether it means they're purchasing dibs and they're, or they're launching their own NFT platform, whatever. But it simply says that an investment was made. I did some research trying to figure out exactly how much of an investment that was, what kind of stake they have in it. Did they completely buy out the platform or what? And I am not 100% certain on that. However, what I take away from this and I'm really excited about is the simple fact that Amazon, the major retailer, I wouldn't even say e-commerce uh, or online seller because at this point, uh, they're competing with Walmart, which is the the world's largest uh, retailer. And so this is just beyond online web 2.0 selling stuff uh, in these marketplaces. This is actual real life, tangible business products moving back and forth all around the world. So, if you really study Amazon's business model, they are not a retailer. They are a logistics company. Like think of them more on the par with a UPS or a FedEx, DHL, or whatever these shipping companies are that are around the world. Amazon is a major shipper because a lot of the things that are actually sold on Amazon's website was never owned by them. It is a third party person, and they're just the middleman. They're storing it and then they're delivering it, and they're using all of their their might and their muscle and their size to ship these things out to get. To them uh, get to customers in a rapid, just record speed, just times that were just unfathomable even ten years ago. So Amazon is in the logistics business. So the reason why I believe that they are most interested in this technology and investing in it is so that they can learn from it. They can see how exactly uh, this is is it can benefit their real business model, which is moving things around all over the world, getting it to customers quickly, and is very inefficient for a company to ship the products from different warehouses or different locations and then have to move it to the customer. That is redundant. That is just wasteful on just many levels. And if anything, Amazon has perfected over the years is just being efficient. Simple things like uh, their drivers, when they're doing the deliveries, the amount of uh, right turns versus left turns, the most optimized route, Uh, all of this stuff is computerized, it's tracked to GPS, even when they're uh, packing and walking through the warehouse and packing the boxes to be uh, going out, everything is tracked to be optimized to be the most efficient, cost-effective way to get the goods to the customers so quickly. Because at this time, even think of what happened during the pandemic when Amazon was basically running the US and a lot of the world for that matter, they had to get goods out to people all over the world as quick as possible. And they could not afford to uh, have have extra steps in, in the process and slowing things down. So this technology, I think, As far as logistics goes, is very attractive. And in addition to that, another problem that Amazon does have is authenticity. A lot of times you will hear that they are selling, say, fake uh, Gucci bags or whatever name, high end brand. Because again, like I said, Amazon has third party sellers that are on the platform and anywhere there is to make money, people are going to do all sorts of things to, uh, just, just cut corners and deceive people to make a quick dollar. And one huge problem that Amazon has is counterfeit goods. A lot of times, if someone is not buying it directly from Amazon, you can actually see on each of the listings uh, sold by Amazon and shipped by Amazon. That means that is actually something that Amazon has ownership for. But otherwise, you can see sold by ABC Corporation Shipped by Amazon, meaning that Amazon is warehousing it and moving this stuff around, but they don't really own the goods. Now, in those cases, a lot of those third party sellers, and don't get me wrong, there are a lot of honest hardworking small businesses all around the world and they're doing the right thing. But there are those the sketchy few, if you will, that creep in and they're just trying to make a quick dollar and they're selling counterfeit goods from from uh, all around the world, manufacturers in these um, back alley conditions or actually sometimes it's even from the real uh, factories that are manufacturing the real goods, but these are the defective ones that did not make the inspection and were not put out under the real brand because it just didn't meet quality control. Well, those things end up some somehow on uh, the black market and end up on Amazon in a lot of cases. So that is something that they're definitely having to uh, combat. But with this, with the virals, now it is an easy way because everything is stored on the blockchain. You can actually see when it comes from uh, whatever the brand is, it comes from their factory, then it goes to Amazon or whoever the seller is, and then it goes to the the third party, the actual customer that's purchasing it. So they can actually know that this is a hundred percent genuine, this is, uh, you know, they can uh, guarantee that this is not a fake, it is insured or it is under warranty and all those uh, things that would normally come with a high-end item. This is a very attractive solution and could solve a lot of Amazon's problems. So all of this makes sense that they're going to invest in the space. They're going to dabble in it, see what's going on, see how it can Uh, have real world value and really help their business model because, again, as much as uh, Amazon loves to uh, go off and say they're saving the world, but their main mission is to make money. And I truly believe that going into this space and trying to figure out how they can use it to make the experience on their platform better for their shoppers, their customers, in the long run, will make them a lot of money. So I really don't think that when Amazon's coming to the space, they're thinking about Joe Montana cards and Babe Ruth uh, trading cards Pokemon on cards and all those things they're more thinking about the long-term implications and what it could do for all the other products that they're selling literally millions and millions probably even billions at this point of items uh, that they have to have on their platform and with these nfts they'll be able to verify that these are real so i think this is just them testing out the waters investing into this company seeing where the space goes so that in Three, four or five years from now, they're positioned in a place to really be uh, one of the more dominant players in this viral NFT game. Now, as far as dibs goes, dibs is just a very cool concept. And again, uh, full disclosure, this is actually the first time I'm experiencing this company and actually, uh, looking into it, but I'm very interested in the entire model. And I can see myself getting into this ecosystem very soon because after all, it is a connection and or an extension of the wax blockchain. So I know that it is, uh, going to be, uh, efficient. It's going to be quick. And if nothing else, I just want to test out a new system, but w- with this, uh, it is advertised as a twenty four seven spot market for instantly trading fractional interest in collectibles. Now that is a mouthful, but basically, I'll just say very simply: uh, there is a company right now. It is very similar. It makes me think of uh, Masterworks. Uh, Masterworks—they're selling these Picassos and these high end arts, and you're you're basically—it's like a timeshare for art, and you can own a piece of it. And when it resells, the value goes up because they tracked it against a whole bunch of other securities, and they said art is one of the ways that uh, uh, the, the the super wealthy have invested and stored their money and and used it to protect their assets against inflation and what have you. So that is just really something that's not available to the average person who's buying 20, 30, $40 million pieces of art. So what they did with Masterworks is they're buying it, they're, then they are uh, cutting up the ownership into factional shares, and then people are... Or just regular investors, if you will, are able to buy into these as they own parts of the companies. So with this, this is with uh, anything, anything collectible, whether it be baseball cards or Pokemon cards or any anything that you could possibly collect, you can split up ownership for it. They issue these tokens that again is running entirely on the Wax blockchain and. And depending how much you can afford to put in determines how much of it that you own. So let's say uh, something is worth $100, they break it up into 100 pieces, each person can put in $1, and then when it sells for $200, then each person then will get back $2, you know, less the fees, of course, but that's just just basic math so you can understand the concept of it. And that's what they're doing with all sorts of collectibles. And I think it's just a very cool concept, and I'll leave a link in the show notes to actually. Go to the uh, frequently asked questions, and it really breaks down and explains all of the, how this stuff works. I remember back in the day, you'd send your trading cards off to Beckett's or one of those uh, companies that could grade it, and 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 so forth. Then you would get it back. But a few things that just really jumped out uh, uh, from this uh, for me is how they break down the actual fractional ownerships, how the Profits are calculated, or how you can even uh, list and sell different things. And once a person owns one hundred percent of those shares, then there are or or tokens, I should say, of of whatever art it is, whatever collectible it is, then they can assume the actual physical uh, ownership of it. Because multiple people are owning this, it's it's going to be a a custodial situation itself. It's it's on consignment, and it's going to be stored with a third party. And then once a person assumes all 100% of the tokens that are, are guaranteeing ownership of it, then they can assume the physical delivery of the item. So I think it's very cool. Uh, to think that, you know, you can have multiple people in something like a, a Lou Garrick rookie card or a Babe Ruth card or something that is just out of reach for most people. And you have the ability to get into it in a fractional share. And when it resells, then you can take a uh, part in uh, the profits. So I think it is just very interesting to see. So if you want more information about that, just click the link in the show notes. Hopefully you found all of this information interesting and very helpful. As usual. I'm just excited to be on this ride with you guys, and I will see you tomorrow. Later. The Nifty Business Arrow is not investment advice. It provides insights and information within the space. As with anything, please do your own research before making a decision whether you're making an investment or a purchase.